Hi, I'm Nick Raboy, and I'm with my co-host, Mike Lynn, and we're going to be talking to Shane McAllister of MongoDB, and we're going to be talking to him about Realm. If you've been keeping up with the podcast, you'll remember that we had a previous episode featuring Drew DePalma on MongoDB Stitch, which is now actually MongoDB Realm. But the difference between that episode and this episode is that in the previous episode featuring Drew, we focused primarily on the server side of things. So GraphQL, serverless functions, hosting, things like that. In this particular episode, we're going to be focusing on the mobile aspect of things. So Realm Mobile, Realm Sync, how it all comes together as part of the Realm platform. If you're developing cross-platform applications or you're planning to develop cross-platform applications, then this podcast episode is the episode for you. The only constant in software is change. Software, data, and all things MongoDB. Welcome to the MongoDB podcast with your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. Shane, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to start this conversation. I'm really excited to learn more about Realm, Realm Sync, and that entire platform. Uh, it's a fascinating platform. But before we do that, Shane, I'd like I'd like to ask you to introduce yourself to the audience, let people know who you are and what you do. Sure, Michael. Um, thanks for having me. So my name is Shane McAllister. I'm lead developer advocate for MongoDB, and particularly with a focus on Realm. Um, I'm only with MongoDB since January 2020, and prior to that, I ran my own design and development mobile firm for, since 2007. So a lot of experience in mobile and building apps and you know everything else that goes in between as well, too. And I suppose you know we were customers of Realm, um, although we didn't pay for it because it was free. Thank you very much for them. Um, and we used the, the Realm DB for a good few many years as our DB of choice. And I suppose that's how my company and myself came on the radar of MongoDB in the first place. And so now here I am. Wow, great. Well, we're fortunate to have you. And uh, like I said, I'm excited to learn more. Uh, but before we go too deep, I, I do want to address the the naming confusion, because there's a lot of opportunity for confusion these days. Uh, we're coming from a world where MongoDB created a platform called Atlas and part of Atlas, which is a database as a service. We created Stitch, which was our backend as a service. Stitch recently uh, became part of the Realm platform. Can you help us, um, I guess, disambiguate? Like, how, do, how can we clear up the naming uh, potential confusion? Yeah, and, and it's a very good question because, you know, internally within MongoDB, this change has been, you know, difficult to communicate out. So externally, it's important that people understand it too. Um, MongoDB acquired Realm in April 2019. And um, as you say, Michael, you know, Stitch was an existing product on the MongoDB platform. And Stitch and Realm had, I suppose, a very complementary value proposition um, they both helped developers build great applications in significantly less time. And I suppose when it comes down to, and I'm not in marketing, so I don't understand the ins and outs of how this happened, but you know, Realm had a massive amount of active users and huge brand awareness in the mobile development community. Um, so I, I, I think it, it won out from the basis of that. But the thing for people to understand and to know too is that 
the stitch functions and features that were there haven't gone away at all. They've just been merged into the greater MongoDB realm. So we still have triggers, authentication, uh, GraphQL, et cetera, as well, too. Um, but it is, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a funny one to try to navigate. Um, you know, all, all change is, is difficult at first, but I, I think it will sit well with people. Yeah, yeah, great. So, okay, we had Realm the company, and Realm the company existed in the mobile space. And I was exposed to Realm. I think I did a couple of side projects where I I made the decision to use Realm in lieu of uh, core data. And um, um, so maybe talk a little bit about like the historical space in which Realm operated in. Sure. Um, it, it's, you know, I, I suppose like mobile developers as a whole face unique challenges that don't exist on the web, for example. So, you know, we've all, you know, there, there's 5 billion mobile devices in the world. Um, you know, three and a half billion of those are smartphones where, you know, we think all the time that there's ubiquitous connectivity. And we even know that in the cities, that's a problem. Out in the countryside, that's a problem. So mobile app developers face challenges such as, you know, a regular connectivity, um, OS constraints, um, and also other challenges about trying to, you know, make their apps really small, really responsive, uh, very little impact on battery life. Um, and, you know, they also have to make their apps work across multiple platforms. And the other thing too is, you know, that's from a developer perspective, from a mobile user's perspective, they have very high expectations and, and really little patience. We all know that if you download an app from the app stores and it doesn't do what you want it to do, or the loading spinners are there too long, as easy as it was to get that app in the first place, it's even easier to delete it. So. Our users have high, high expectations. We're looking for, you know, a seamless cross-platform experience, low latency, reactive. Um, and that is really where Realm was born. Um, you know, it Realm, you know, back in 2014 when Realm started, traditional databases weren't suitable, um, I suppose, for a mobile first world. There was some choice, but very little. You'd SQLite, you'd core data. Um, but as a developer, which I've been in the past, you're, you know, to use either of those, you're writing a ton of boilerplate code, you're creating data ob access objects, you're creating data transfer objects, you're worried about networking, serialization, sync, conflict resolution, um, real-time collaboration. And, and all of these things essentially, uh, you know, take lots of time and therefore money to solve and very frustrating and in that respect that's the area that realm entered the world in 2014 to take all of that away that frustration and just let developers get on and building a really good app so when it when it comes to realm on mobile at least is realm its own kind of homegrown database or is it does it sit on top of another uh, legacy database behind the scenes Realm is is homegrown, I, I suppose, uh, deep deep down in the in the technical bowel somewhere. I don't know exactly um, how how that's built and put together. But you know, from it was an idiomatic database that ran directly on mobile, so it uses the same languages that you know developers, if you're building for iOS or for Android, would have used. Um, it was 
cross-platform out of the box and it was built with conflict you know conflict resolution and real-time synchronization were the big things that it tried to achieve but initially we have to remember that realm is a local database at first and made local databases very easy for people to add to their mobile app so when we talk about cross-platform are we talking about strictly just android and ios or are we talking about the web and IoT and other platforms as well. We're, we're talking about all, all the other, as many platforms as possible, really, to be honest. I suppose it's very hard to abstract and, and you know, just decide we're going to be mobile only because all mobile apps have a presence on the web and you want to be able to people to essentially take what they've done on mobile and move across into a web environment. So in Android, Realm supports... Kotlin and Java and iOS, it was Swift and it was Objective-C as well too. We've got React Native um, for TypeScript and JavaScript. We've got Node.js, we've got .NET, um, and we've also got IoT support as well too. So we're, we're building uh, on devices such as Raspberry Pis. So, um, and uh, we, we can, uh, let me know if I'm going down a rabbit hole or not, but uh, when we talk about, say, uh, web or, or uh, Node.js and things like that, are we storing these, like say for web, are we storing it in, in a typical browser storage or um, does that get translated a certain way for Realm? It does get translated and it all, I suppose, Realm had, before before Realm became MongoDB Realm, um, it was consists of essentially the um, local mobile Realm database, then Realm Sync and Realm Cloud. So essentially we've taken the realm sync components and the realm cloud components and wrapped them up into mongodb realm as well too so when you're talking about what are we doing on the web it's a local database there um, that can work and persist locally and be cached um, and if you need sync in your application it then essentially will end up on the cloud in whatever aspect or whatever way you want that to happen at the end of the day. At the end of the day, developers have choices so they can they can decide what to happen in that regard. So uh, the key thing that that I got out of Realm, Realm Sync specifically, was uh, conflict resolution. And I'm just, I mean, why? I go into projects thinking, ah, oh, it's, it's no big deal. Uh, if we go offline, we'll just keep the keep the changes to the local instance of the application. And then when we reconnect, we'll, we'll update those. Why is it so difficult? It, it is never that simple. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, you know, whenever you have something whereby you have, you know, devices that are potentially offline for a period of time that can mutate data, then when they come back online, so you've been in a subway or whatever, you know, you're going to have a conflict resolution. And Realm, you know, back at the very start, had a, an out-of-the-box data synchronization service with conflict resolution built in. And that's what really set it apart because developers didn't have to spend time worrying about that. Um, conflicts are handled automatically, and this is really important. And, and it's quite a hard concept for people to get over as well, too. Why, why are we handling them automatically? If, if we allow developers to start changing those rules on conflict resolution, you can end up in a whole heap of mess. Um, so essentially, every data set is stored with a timestamp. And what happens then when data is synced is that it becomes what we call strongly eventually consistent, um, which guarantees app reliability. And so I suppose 
what's the best way to show that? So you, as an example, so you've got two users with the, with the same data and they're, and they're both offline and they're both changing data in there. And they come back online and they want to merge this data in a deterministic way. So Realm Sync does this. So it uses a conflict resolution algorithm that's based on operational transforms. For those that use to Google Docs, you, you can see other people writing in your Google Doc at the same time. It's essentially the same manner. So in all, it's deterministic in all instances. And the application, the work, because the worst thing that can happen is the application doesn't know what to do with the conflict. So there's a very simple set of rules around that. Okay. So when you say deterministic, uh, maybe it's just, uh, how, can you explain what you mean by that? Sure, sure. Well, deterministic is really kind of, I, I suppose, the rules that are adhered to to make sure that the data um, that you end up with this strongly, this concept of strongly eventually consistent is correct. So the rules that we have in Realm um, are very simple. Deletes always win. Um, last update always wins. And inserts and lists, which is something that happens on mobile all the time, um, inserts and lists are ordered by the timestamp of which those inserts occurred. And they sound quite simple, but they're really, really strong rules that have stood the test of time and work really well. Mobile apps historically, you know, don't have conflict resolution built in. They rely on a cache. The server's always trusted. The users can't make updates unless online, etc. So overall, the user's experience is, is greatly affected unless you manage to do what we're doing in Realm, which is the automatic conflict resolution. So, um, I, and I'm sorry if I'm poking holes at this, Mm -hmm. um, so you said um, the last update uh, always takes the priority in, in the sync, in the conflict resolution, correct? Um, it if it was an update versus a delete, yes, you know. So delete in the hierarchy, it's delete always wins, then the last update, and then an insert of data. So in in the scenario where maybe you have two offline apps and you're you're editing some kind of um, text document, you what the first edit for that offline device based on timestamp is a, a fairly large edit. And then that second edit on the other device, which has the most recent timestamp is very small. Are we saying that that very small edit, uh, which may completely undo that first very large edit is going to take the priority or how does that work? Yeah. Um, I, I can see, you know, I, I think it's a difficult question to answer, Nick. Um, in terms of, I suppose, we have to understand, you know, what the initial state of the data was at that point. So if we take an initial state whereby, as you say, two users went offline with, uh, let's make it simple. Let's not worry about how much a paragraph of text is. Let's say it's a it's a small list of, of, of maybe three items, three telephone numbers in a list, for example. So we've got user user one, two, three in a, in a telephone list. So we've got two apps, two users, they've synced with this initial list and they've both gone offline at the same time. So what happens there is let's say user one deletes the second telephone number, for example, user two knows nothing about this because they're off also offline. And then maybe user two decides to add another phone number to that list. So now we've got four 
but they also decide to delete um sorry they're not deleting they add another phone number and they update one of the existing numbers bear with me this will this will work itself <laughs> out. i love it i love it i love the story so so what happens then so we, we've got two users and user one deleted a, deleted a phone number and user two added a new phone number and edited an existing phone number so now and they're both offline still at the moment so now, as far as the server's concerned, there's three phone numbers. As far as user one is concerned, there's two. And as far as user two is concerned, there's four, right? Because it hasn't seen the delete that user one did, okay? So when we bring this all back together again, and, and look, time does come into this. We're not saying that both of these users will end up back online and connected to the server exactly the same time. But what happens, I suppose, then is Say user two comes back online before user one. So they have edited a phone number and added a new person. So now the server has four. And then user one comes back on. And what they've done is they've deleted a phone number, which is syncing with the server. So that deletion will occur. The edited number will remain. And the added user will remain. So we still have three users in our original list and everything synced together. I need to draw a diagram or a whiteboard to make this make sense. So in a podcast, probably this isn't working. But essentially, we, we, that's what happens. And ultimately, then, is, is the merge changes go back out to the mobile clients and everybody has user one still there, phone number one still there, phone number two no longer is there, phone number three got edited, and phone number four was added. And there's still three records. Does that make so sense? In, yeah, it, it does make sense. So in regards to that diagram, is there something that we could link to in the show notes um, towards the end of the episode? Yeah, because that example came out of, and, and I suppose this is important to note for people, uh, we did mongodb.live uh, on the 9th and 10th of January. In our online sessions there, I think we had uh, 14 or 15 realm-based talks. June, sorry, apologies. Um, it's all good. And we should link to those as well, too, and they're available. And this example is embedded in one of the talks that I was participating in, along with Ian Ward, who's one of the, the uh, product guys for Realm as well, too. Great. Uh, you know, and I have one clarifying question. What if in that scenario that you just described, the delete happens and then the, the request for edit comes through on that edited on that deleted document? So the delete wins there, Michael. Yeah. Okay. The, yeah. the lead always wins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gotcha. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So even though my, you know, as you say, user one deletes the second phone number, but user two was editing the second phone number, the delete wins. Well, it's tough to edit something that's not there, but I, I guess I was wondering if in some cases uh, the the document would be reanimated. No. To, to, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I mean, I, I suppose it's important to remember too, and, and this is, you know, this has been, if we look at, say, MongoDB Realm and the large, huge databases that they deal with, um, you know, via Atlas and with all of the customers MongoDB Realm has, when we're dealing with mobile and mobile databases, you know, a lot of these changes happen very, very quickly. A lot of these databases are very, very small, either, you know, it's it's a a portion of a larger database or you've just taken down and prioritized a certain piece that a user has access to as well. Um, so we're not trying to do a massive change across a large, large database on a mobile device. So 
That sounds awesome. And I know that um, other platforms for storing and retrieving and managing data in the mobile space exist. How is Realm different or better? What sets Realm apart? Um, I suppose, I mean, that's a really, it's a really interesting question. And, and there are other, you know, competitors out there. And I suppose if we look at that kind of matrix of competitors that we have, um, you know, they all have various pros and cons, you know, and how they approach the different aspects, I suppose, that we would look at as features of Realm. The other thing to understand, too, is that currently today, the vast majority of apps, about 90% of them built out there, are built with a, almost a do-it-yourself architecture. They're not sitting on a, on a platform or another framework. And I suppose that's what we're ultimately trying to compete with as well too is to get across the knowledge and understanding that you don't have to do this you don't have to you know take on board all of that complex process about you know how you would do this yourself how you would store data on the device how you would shuttle data you know from the mobile device to the back end how you would sync with your web services and you know all the middleware that that might take involved as well too and then if you look at, you know, persistence of data um, and, you know, networking on a mobile device, how, you know, kind of up and down that is a lot of the time, even when you're in big cities, um, you know, how that works. I think our major kind of competitor, uh, if we look at it, is, is that, the do-it-yourself, you know, developers who are rolling this up their own because they want a proprietary or they they have a legacy app that they've just built and built and built upon. Um, because that is, you know, it's very, very complex. And you could say that like, there's kind of four different levels of complexity in, in data on mobile devices in particular. Um, level one is, is simply no data persistence on a device. Every, everything is online. Nothing is written to the disk. Um, and it might need that, such as a game might need that, for example, if it's not a multiplayer game and you're not worried about progress being synced or anything like that. Um, you know, or if it's an app that the functionality depends wholly being online, such as a, a ride hailing or delivery app. You've got to be online to order that food or to get that taxi, you know. Um, if we look at the next level up, you might want to store a little bit of data, a trivial bit of data. That just might be settings or preferences. And why would you want that to sync? Well, if you change devices, you want to be able to download that same app and have the same setup once you've logged in. So your settings and, and preferences need to, need to come across or you lose your phone, your phone gets dropped in a lake, it's gone, you got to get a new phone, you want to restore everything again too. The next level, you know, the big level is, is when we're doing major caching in apps. You know, they're going to persist critical data to the device, and it's one of the main use cases of that app. And it's, you know, read-only, it's cached, users make changes to that, we want to sync all that back up. And that's really, I suppose, where, uh, you know, Realm sees its major advantages at that space. Because to do that, and to do that in a do-it-yourself way before Realm um, is very, very tough you know um and then it's just the other area the other side of that then is is the whole you know we want an entirely offline first experience so we need to make that you know they've got to implement their own syncing and conflict resolution if they're doing it yourself and again that all comes out of the box with realm one thing i mean it, it just has become more and more clear to me the the goals of mongodb 
are so perfectly aligned to the goals of realm like it's all about agility flexibility and freedom when when you're writing your software so yeah i can it's it's becoming just more and more clear nick you wanted to ask yeah so in regards to being offline first um so a lot of people probably ask this question is well what's happening with security on my mobile device if we know that mongodb is secure at rest but what about my mobile devices? Is the data that's existing safe? Maybe you want to shed some light onto that. Sure. It's a, it's a good question, I suppose. Certainly in this day and age, everybody's worried about mobile security, et cetera, as well. So the, the local realm mobile database on the device can be configured to encrypt the data at rest. Um, and that's, that's as simple as adding a single line of code to do that, which is, which is superb. And so if you're, if you're on iOS, it will use the common crypto library. If you're on Windows, it uses the built-in crypto library and Android platforms uses OpenSSL. Um, and then once the Realm file, local Realm file on the device has been created with the encryption key, that's gonna be required every time that needs to be opened subsequently. But in transit, uh, I suppose that's up to the developers as well, too. But as long as you're using HTTPS or TLS, that's all secure as well at the same time. So encryption uh, locally and encryption in transit are, are nearly de facto if you're going to build uh, your app on Realm. Now, I, I realize you're not a part of the product engineering team, so uh, I'm not sure how much information you have or can share. Um, but... MongoDB, the database engine, and Realm, the database engine, like I've said, they, they share common goals for developers. Will we ever see a, a state where those engines merge and they become one product? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question. I, I don't know um, fully, um, you know, kind of the plans in that regard. What I do know is that in, in MongoDB Realm, um, we're still, there's an Atlas backend to that and we have a MongoDB Realm server and we've got Atlas and they are syncing all the time. And generally, essentially, they they sync much quicker than the mobile clients are going to sync back to the MongoDB Realm server. Uh, that's up there as well too. So they're, they're, they're deeply integrated. Um, I suppose that, what way would you put it? Um, I think the best thing to do would be uh, if users are used to change streams in Stitch before and, and how that worked. Um, so MongoDB Realm is a kind of a variant of that. It receives those changes, uh, performs the conflict resolution, translate those into Realm objects, and then those Realm objects are translated into MongoDB documents. That's what's really going on under the hood here. Um, and then the write is made to Atlas. So we're very close, but we're not the same just yet. But I don't know, and I'm assuming it would be logical to essentially get everything closer and closer together. So I have a, a, f a few more questions regard regarding the technical side of things, and more specifically on on mobile. Um, so let's let's go with the scenario that uh, you have this fully functional application that's been around for a while. A new device gets added and needs to sync. What what can that person do to prevent syncing potentially gigabytes or terabytes worth of data to their device? Um, is there a way to say, hey, only only synchronize the last ten records, or 
How does that kind of stuff work? Um, usually, I suppose when we're we don't we don't try and sync. If you've architected the app correctly, Nick, we, we don't try and sync everything. We we do have the concept of partitioned realms. So you know there can be multiple realms that you were trying to sync with. So if you're clever about the architecture of your app, you're only syncing the portions that are relevant to you. So what do I mean by that? Well, you know, as as a user, I want to sync, say, my settings and preferences first of all. Um, I want to, you know, obviously sync anything that I might be changing on my mobile device. But as for other users' records on my mobile device, I just want to read those. So I'm just going to pull those down and, and read them. I'm not, I don't have access to change those as well, too. So uh, we think that, you know, in the mobile space particularly, a lot of the time when you're working with data, it's, it's a very small chunk or a very small bundle of data at a time that you have access to. And that's up to how you architect your app, essentially. But at the end of the day, you know, when we're talking about, say, an example with thousands of records, that is still incredibly uh, swift to do. And going back to your question, Michael, about competitors, one of the key, I suppose, uh, features that MongoDB Realm has over some of the competitors is in the benchmark tests on you know how quick it is to to read information and to, and to write to the local database and sync as well too, and um, so I think that's that's really important. So I understand the concern that there's loads of content and and a resync of everything, Nick. But in reality, given the architecture of most mobile apps, you're not syncing the entirety. Uh, back down to your device. You're only syncing what you need to do to perform certain tasks that you would normally be doing. That that makes sense. I, it's been a while since I've been in the mobile space, so um, that that would make sense. I'll take your word on it. My other question <laughs> is, and this this might be me answering my own question here: um, Is there a limit to the amount of devices that can be syncing with Realm and MongoDB at any given time? Is it unlimited? Um, it. it it should be. I mean, Realm Cloud is designed to be horizontally scalable, you know, and that and that's why things are such a good fit with MongoDB as well, too. So as load increases on the servers, that they'll be scaled then with increased load as well, too. We don't really have exact numbers on scale just yet, but we are building out MongoDB Realm to leverage the kind of scale that MongoDB itself enjoys in terms of kind of how many devices and platforms can be synchronized. Awesome. Is it, we, we do have an example. It's up on our website to um, 7-Eleven, whom everybody would be familiar with. Uh, they run MongoDB Realm in one of their inventory apps. Um, so that works. Uh, I think there are about 8,500 stores, maybe 20,000 devices. So they're doing stock take. Um, and as you can imagine, when you're in a convenience store or you know, down the back of the convenience store, maybe in the refrigerated section or in out in the storeroom, you may not have connectivity. You're in an offline world there. So prior to MongoDB Realm, somebody take unta- undertaking this task would have maybe had to wait two or three minutes to download the inventory list and then go and start up the app and do their inventory take and then go and try and sync that again too. Whereas now... Uh, with MongoDB Realm, that's pretty much instantaneous, uh, two or three seconds. And then it works wholly in an offline mode and syncs as soon as connectivity is re-enabled. Great. What a perfect uh, perfect use case. What other customer use cases or industries do you find uh, really good uptake 
with Realm. Um, I suppose, I mean, that the 7-Eleven is a very good example. We call those the kind of field engineering type applications whereby, you know, uh, obviously somebody's mobile. Uh, that was the remit for this in the first place. They have, I suppose, work to do that can't be lost, that needs to be captured, that needs to be robust, and eventually end up back on, a, on servers uh, to be worked on different platforms as well, too. So I think that the field engineering type tasks um, of data collection, data syncing, et cetera, are still very, very core uh, to what uh, Realm's customers mostly use it for as well, too. But to date, we have over 35,000 apps in the app stores that have MongoDB Realm in them. We've got 100,000 plus developers. And so you never really know what people are going to build and how they're going to work with with your apps. Um, so, you know, it covers a huge remit of areas, but anywhere where there's potential to be offline, where conflict resolution is important and data synchronization is ultimately your main goal, uh, MongoDB Realm is the ideal candidate for that. Now, uh, you mentioned MongoDB.live, our uh, online conference that just took place in June. And as a part of that conference, the team that put together the conference actually built an application. Uh, were you involved in that, the the EPA regulatory application? And can you talk a little bit about that? Or I can indeed. So this was an app called um, that we launched in our keynote um, called WildAid um, for WildAid, which is a which is an organization that essentially uh, fisheries-based organization organization that polices, I suppose, uh, fishing activities, boards, boats, checks permits, checks personnel, uh, checks the type of catch they have, et cetera, as well, too. So this was a superb example to, I suppose, leverage and showcase the facets and features of MongoDB Realm. Because we have a, you know, a group of people whose jobs are to jump from one ship to the next, board a ship, um, and know what they're getting into before they do that. So what the WildAid app allowed them to do was they would be synced uh, automatically, probably, you know, bef- because you know, these ships could be a couple of miles out to sea doing this. So the app would stay in sync, and even on offline, the records would still persist. So they could look up the vessel name or vessel ID, they could see the prior history of any interactions of wild aid with that vessel. Um, and then they could board the vessel and start, I suppose, taking or making the report. So what would happen traditionally is that, you know, they would interview the captain, get the captain's details, get crew names, look at permits um, and capture all of that. And most of the time we hope that everything is, you know, in line and good, but there needs to have a record of that. So in the Wild Aid app, we managed to do this all using MongoDB Realm, uh, all offline with a local database that synced back up. But we also created a couple of features in there that were quite interesting. So when it comes to permits and pictures and things that we want to capture in the app, they could be quite large. You could capture quite a lot of those. You might do a couple of boardings a day. So they would persist on the mobile device until network connectivity was resumed sync up and get stored and then obviously you know anybody else connecting uh, by using the wild aid app would also have as soon as they were online that record of that boarding so you weren't multiple boarding 
ships or anything like that um, or making any of that duplication errors as well too. It was a superb showcase and, you know, as part of the keynote uh, and because it was all online, we had the opportunity to create a really, really good interactive video which showed both the uh, developers and also the Wild Aid team and crew uh, talking about their use case of the app and how it helps them. A lot of this was previously done on pen and paper. And as you can imagine, that's quite a chore because there's data entry involved when you get back to base, et cetera, as well, too. Whereas using the Wild Aid app on a tablet in situ just meant that the work could be done and completed and, if possible, sync back to base there and then. Yeah, really impressive. How how long did it take to build that app for the keynote? Um, I suppose, you know, the, the, the work on that app commenced prior to just towards the end of 2019 um, and continued right up until until the keynote as well, too. And, you know, it's an open source project. So all of this is available on our GitHub repository. And it is one of those things MongoDB wanted to, you know, help out this very worthwhile organization. But they're also looking for, you know, developers who have an interest in environment and and kind of this, uh, you know, these sort of measures to protect wildlife, etc., uh, to help and collaborate on the projects as well too. So that's why it's open source and freely available. And we will hopefully be running a number of either events or hackathons or you know, skunkwork projects throughout the year that we would be trying to engage members of the developer community to come on board and help build on this great foundation that we put together for uh, mongodb.live. Fantastic. And that's available for review at wildaid.github.io as well as github.com slash wildaid, W-I-L-D-A-I-D. So definitely check that out if you're interested in building or even maybe contributing to that. Uh, to that now, is WildAid actively in use by this foundation still? So yeah, uh, we we are in field trials at the moment with the app, um, and so I think that will be ongoing throughout the month of July, um, and then pushed out to the broad organization. And they're they're a worldwide organization, you know. So so this will have great exposure globally. And, you know, one of the areas that we have to look into doing and hopefully get help from the developer community is localization of the app again to be used for from different governmental bodies and different organizations throughout the world. My goodness, this has been a great conversation and the time has flown. We're at, we're at about 40 minutes already. Um, I do want to touch on how users can get involved, how they can begin to to test drive Realm. How do, how do we... Um, help folks understand how to dive in and, and um, get some experience with Realm. You mentioned earlier that there is a free tier available. Can you talk a little bit about how someone might get started? Sure, sure. Well, look, I, I think our goal in the DevRel community um, organization of MongoDB is to try and get as many people on board as possible and in as easy a way as possible. So I think the first place for anybody who's interested to learn more is go to mongodb.com forward slash realm. There you'll see most of the product details about realm. And in there, you will see all of the links to our docs and also to our repos where you can download a MongoDB realm database. And you can also then get set up um, on our free Atlas. MongoDB realm has a free tier, um, essentially. So we can 
go on board there, get a free tier for your proof of concept or your smaller applications, which has up to 512 megabytes, but it can scale. And after that, you know, we have an M2 that'll give you two gigabytes, an M5 that will give you five gigabytes. Um, and, you know, they can move to dedicated clusters if they have a, a full production app rolled out there. But I think the important thing to remember, too, is that the Realm mobile database is open source and will always be free to use locally as well, too. And I think that's where most developers start. And I think our job really with having transitioned to MongoDB Realm is to try and teach developers how easy it is to take what is the Realm mobile database locally on a device and with a few lines of code be able to add incredibly powerful sync to that which will bring them on board MongoDB Realm. And then they will be able to use many more of the features that we have in there that are now called Realm application services, but they were the stitch functions and features that we've always had. Um, so it's an incredibly powerful platform to build and grow your mobile apps on. Nick, anything further before we begin to wrap? No, I think this was a fantastic episode. I, I've learned quite a bit about, about Realm today. Right on. I hope it was okay. I hope up to standard and stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Shane, where can people find you? Do you, um, do you do the social thing? Are you in social media? Yeah. So on Twitter, I'm at Shaney Mac, um, S-H-A-N-E-Y-M-A-C. Um, it's not always developer stuff. Be aware of pictures of dogs and giving out about yeah, politics and other stuff as well, too. Um, so I, I apologize in advance for that. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably the, the the place where I interact the most. And as part of DevRel, we do have the opportunity to take hold of the at Realm accounts from time to time as well, too. And we're looking forward to greater engagement, you know, and above all, I suppose, you know, Realm engages across Twitter, in our forums, in our superb developer hub. Um, and obviously then up on the repos in, in GitHub as well, too. There is one plug that I want to make before we close on this episode. Um, so we did we did a previous episode on Stitch. It was actually episode number seven. So this was prior to Stitch becoming Realm. Um, so if any listener wanted to learn more about the, say, GraphQL scene, hosting, serverless functions kind of aspect um, that maybe you were hoping we would cover in this episode, go ahead and listen to episode number seven because that one will have you covered. Yeah, and the beauty is that they're all still there. You know, uh, Stitch might have a new name in MongoDB Realm, but all the functions and features are all still there. Perfect way to wrap. Shane, thank you so much for spending time with us. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Michael. Nick, appreciate it, and thank you for having me. 